So I think we have a bit of follow-up. There's three, four things here. But I was thinking maybe we should start talking about um, Cocoa Heads. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. That was, was pretty recent. So last episode, uh, we had a, a pretty long segment where we're talking about my upcoming talks at Koga Heads and also at the DevWorld conference, which uh, is in about a week and a half. The Koga Heads talk was actually last night. So about 18 hours ago as we record this. I was lucky enough yesterday to be able to do a practice run through uh, in front of both of you over Skype. And it was really good. Uh, that's what you sort of gave me. Gave me some good tips and suggestions and so some things to um, sort of put into practice last night and as well as uh, at DevWorld in, in a week and a half. I told, I said yesterday, um, but I won't say it again. I think it was a really good talk the, first, the time you were running through it with us. Uh, so it was it was really great to hear, even if we can't be at the conference or at Cocoa Heads. It was great to great to get to hear it as well. Um, and I think it was so interesting to hear so much about shortcuts because it have it hasn't been anything that I have spent that much time looking into myself. Um, but I think I definitely would like to start using it. And I think the examples that you used uh, in your talk for for what a shortcut can be uh, was quite good because it sort of made me think of some different ideas of what I could potentially do. Yeah, glad to hear it. Thanks. Um, I think it was really beneficial to to do the practice run through uh, both for you and for at Koga Heads last night as well because just, you know, lots of little things that you pick up, lots of little advice from people. Um, so I've got a few things to change now ahead of the DevWorld uh, presentation. Nothing too major, nothing like related to the structure of the talk, but just a few little things on the slide, a few little things with timing. So it was really good to do that practice run through. And I guess the end result of that is giving an even better conference talk, which is the end goal here. So uh, it was yeah, it was definitely definitely beneficial, and all of the uh, advice that you had from the last episode, Marlon, was really useful. So, thank you for that. Um, and yeah, I, I think it went well. People seemed to enjoy it, so that was that was good. It made me happy. Oh yeah, that's awesome. There were quite a lot of people at Cocoa Heads, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a full meetup as it usually is these days. It filled up pretty quickly this time. Um, I was talking second. And as is usually the case, there's a, a break between the first and the second talk and a good chunk of people clear out. So, I mean, it might have been a hundred, just over 100 people to begin with, but there was probably only 80 or so in the room uh, when I gave the talk. But yeah, it was still a, still a pretty full event. So it was, it was good. Uh, can you send me the slides? <laughs> uh, I just... I can, yeah. Because yesterday was kind of hard to, to see them through our... Um your less than ideal uni uh, network. So it would be good to kind of <laughs> go through them and actually see animations and those kind of things that you have, that you put into that. Cool. Do you want them now or do you want them once I've fixed up the few things I have to fix up ahead of DevWorld? Whatever you feel for. I'm, I'm happy to have a look at them now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's also great. Uh, once we want to start implementing our own shortcuts, we can look at your sample code. It seemed like you put a lot of effort into the sample app. So are you planning on releasing the sample app at all or uh, maybe making the code available? No. So I wanted to. That was the original uh, intention of creating the sample project was to release that as an example. Um, but there are a few reasons why I don't think that will work out best. Um, the first is just the code is a horrible mess. But the second is there's a lot of iteration uh, on the 
intents and things that I did uh, in the sample projects. And some of it is in Git history, but some of it was just done purely for the purpose so I could get a screenshot or two and then I discarded the change. So it's actually not very consistent and it probably doesn't provide a good example. Um, there's nothing really to follow because the the project in its current state is to demonstrate basically the last example that I put into the talk and nothing more. A lot of the code from earlier on was removed and so just the whole sample project didn't quite work out as cleanly as I was hoping. Uh, so I think it would be more confusing than not to release it. Um, what I could do is either create a sample project that is a lot neater and release that with, say, you know, four or five commits demonstrating the stages of uh, developing the shortcut, then that could be a solution. Or turn it into a blog post with uh, all of the necessary code, essentially what's on the slides, um, so that people can can look at that. And I think that the examples I gave in the slides, it's while it was fairly minimal code, it is absolutely everything you should need to get a shortcut up and running. So the idea would be if somebody had a copy of the slides, which I will make public after the DevOl talk, I don't want to um, make it public before then, but after the DevOl talk, the slides will be public. And I think also a recording of the, the talk will go up. So they can become a good reference point uh, for anyone who wants to look at them going forward. Yeah, I think that's that's a good approach. I think um, DevWorld actually uploads it to their YouTube channel too. So it's great for people who are not able to make it um, to Melbourne who can just go in and watch afterwards. Yep, definitely. And one of the uh, suggestions I got at the end of last night was to... Uh, somebody came up and said that it seems like uh, there are a lot of points along the process where something could go wrong or you could miss something. There were, you know, there was an example where I talk about making sure that you add the correct intent to the info P list of an extension. And it's just lots of little fiddly things like that in the, the process of adding a shortcut. And they suggested maybe putting up a, a blog post as a reference guide when implementing a shortcut at all the points where something could go wrong. And I, I thought that was quite interesting. And also it's a great idea because uh, the example that that they used, and one of the examples I used in my talk, while it was you know 10 seconds on a slide of saying, here's what you need to do, it was actually half a day of me working out, oh, this isn't, or oh, this is why something isn't working. I forgot to, it was literally just forgetting to add uh, a line to an info P list. So just little things like that could be almost more useful than the example code as well. Um, just sort of a checklist of, of things to make sure you're doing if your shortcut isn't running as you'd expect. All right. So next uh, on our list is some of us have done some of our homework. Uh, so, uh, I, what's this homework you speak of? I did set up a Microsoft teams account, uh, this morning, actually invited both of you to, for us to have a look. I think we talked about it in episode two or three or something that we plan to have a look at it. And now I actually got around and set up that account. Um, and I think Zach, you had a look. Yeah, I had some very productive class time today in which I was playing around with Microsoft Teams. It's good fun. What did you think? Well, more fun than the class anyway. Um, 
teams I wasn't particularly impressed with. Um, I think you pointed out that the Mac app is an Electron app. I only yeah. tried it on the Mac, not the iOS version. Um, I don't know. It seemed okay. I didn't really do much with it, but it didn't seem particularly great. I don't know. What What were your thoughts? My, my first impression was, um, so... First of all, you have it's 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 an app, but you had to go through that installer process, which was, I, in general, I'm not a big fan of things that are just an app that don't really need deeper system integration to have like a package installer. So that was a bit annoying. Yeah, that was a bit weird. Um, I think they're installing some helpers uh, that that kind of help with notifications, even if it's closed or something like that. Um, I assume that's that's maybe why they're doing it. And then when I went through with that and opened the app, I, I felt overwhelmed with noise. I feel like there's so much noise in that app when you open it first time. It's like full of uh, trying to explain how to use it. And then there are things popping up everywhere. It is, it is an Electron app, but unlike Slack, that kind of behaves relatively, relatively more like an app. I feel like uh, Electron seems... Um, team seems to rely a lot more on network connectivity so i feel like some some image assets or something is actually doing network access as you're browsing through the app because i had multiple times that i i clicked somewhere and then i had to wait for a few seconds for images to pop in so that wasn't great um and obviously electron apps so resizing the window was weird uh dragging the window around it just sometimes decide to to uh to lose the, the anchor point and i couldn't drag it anymore uh so i wasn't very impressed with that uh i think we i we might have only used it for a few minutes before we're like ah, oh, that's it seems like slack in less polished in a lot of ways to me. That was my first impression. So then after that, I also created a, a Twist. Twist is another Slack and Microsoft Teams competitor. So I created a, a Twist account and invited both of you. And they actually use a native Mac app. And I thought that was um, a way better first experience for me. What did you think of Twist? Uh, I didn't mind Twist, actually. I didn't get around to checking out the native Mac app. Uh, did you use the web app at all? Uh, no, only only the native Mac app. Yeah, I'm looking at the website right now. Mm -hmm. And it's not bad. Like, I think it's quite quite modern, um, but it feels very... Like, all the, the visual design feels very um, Atlassian-styled. Like, all of the, it does. All of the avatars yeah. and like all of the images and everything. It feels like it would, could definitely be a product by Atlassian, which is not bad, uh, but it's just a very similar design language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is very clean. I'm a little bit... I assume you can change the size and like change the layout a bit, but I noticed on the website that it's a bit... Um, so you have your different channels. So we have one for like Epic and one for general. And then it seems like you start a thread, but you can have multiple threads under each channel. Um, which is a bit different than Slack. It feels like the whole channel panel takes a lot of space. Whereas I feel like um, if I would use it, I would use it more like Slack and just create a single channel for each of uh, a single thread for each of the channels. But I guess it's just a different approach to Slack. I, I think that's kind of um, so. Uh, Twist is definitely having a different focus. Slack is more. I mean, it kind of comes from IRC. 
So I think the team that worked on Slack initially used IRC. I think they were a game studio. Um, and they used IRC for a while and they were unhappy with that as a way of communicating. And that's why I made Slack. But it's definitely very IRC-like where you have channels and you talk to them and you kind of have this um, near infinite timeline of, of posts. And then people wanted threads and then I kind of added threads to the existing timeline where you kind of get threads spread in your timeline. But I th always thought threads were quite awkward to use in Slack. So yeah, I I started using more threads quite recently, or, uh, like the last year or so in Slack, and I quite like it. Um, but I feel like everyone has a different approach to threads on Slack. Um, for example, I feel like I, I never really use threads in personal messages. So if I just send a direct message to Yukai, I wouldn't then start a thread. I feel like if it's a conversation just between two people, it's quite easy to follow. But I do find threads to be very useful uh, if you have like a group channel and or uh, yeah a group channel and you want to talk about different things at the same time um, it's a lot easier than having all those like asynchronous messages about different topics um, but I feel like people don't use uh, people don't seem to be as used to using threads yet and uh, it's something that's sometimes being a bit neglected so if you start a thread people don't really continue the thread um, so maybe um, maybe twist has a better uh, approach to that it was really hard not to make a pun uh, but yeah maybe twist has a different approach to that and maybe the fact that they have channels and the threads a bit more visual uh, might make it a bit more organized if you have a bigger chat it is kind of interesting i think forcing everything to be in a thread kind of and when you create a new thread you have to give it a i think a title or a topic name or something like that um, and I think that's quite nice because often, I don't know if you're uh, working in a larger team and there's a lot of things going on, um, it's quite uh, overwhelming if you come back after, I don't know, after a day off or something or even just next day and you kind of want to catch up with what happened. It's, it's very hard to figure out what have I already seen, what is the topic here. Often, um, at least the teams we've worked in, they were kind of half communication happened on slack and the other half happened uh, uh person to person and it, fe it felt really hard to keep track of what what you needed to catch up on i think with this threats that makes it a lot easier because if you're if you're off and you're coming back you can just look at the subject of all the threads that were created since you had a look last and unless you're as uncreative as me as me and just naming the thread test <laughs> <laughs> it's not very helpful yeah, but like what we did in, in our general channel is we created one with uh, with a name first impressions or initial impressions. So now for you, if you, if you already talked to me about it, you know you don't really need to catch up on that because we already talked about it. So you can just safely ignore the entire thread. Um, and I think that's, that's a nice way of kind of seeing, all right, those are all the topics. And there might be certain things that you're not as interested in. There could be a discussion about, I don't know, uh, something that is just really not relevant or something that only happened on a specific day and now is over anyway. But in, in the Slack kind of approach of having this infinite list, um, you, you're still kind of forced to go through it because you don't know if there might be something in between that you're missing. And the same for threads, if there might be a thread in between that, that had new comments that you have missed. So it's kind of hard to keep track of that. And I think this approach kind of helps with streamlining that a lot. And I, I kind of 
I think I would I would enjoy using that, especially uh, in a larger team. I think for for us for our, for the podcast and it's any any anything where we can type text and send it to each other is fine. But just from from experience in larger teams, I actually think this is is a quite nice way of of forcing. Uh, a certain level of structure that then helps everyone especially people that might be remote and need to kind of see what's going on on a higher level and then only deep in uh, dive deeper into the topics that they actually want to engage in yeah but i also think it does rely on people using threads properly and it, it can be quite nice in theory but if uh you know people aren't using the right thread for certain discussions or aren't sticking to a particular topic within the one thread uh, then it can become a case of needing to check more than you would otherwise because you're you're unsure if a certain discussion has taken place elsewhere. And uh, the other thing, I know, I know we spoke about this a bit earlier, is that it just creates more things to check as well. So if everyone's using it properly, then you're pretty safe to go ahead and only look through the the threads that you're interested in or that are relevant to you. But if they're not, then it just means that, oh, you, you have a day off and you have to come back tomorrow there might be you know, 15 different threads that you have to crawl through instead of just one or two uh, channels that you might use otherwise, which yes, there's a lot of content and yes, there's a lot of back and forth in those channels, but it's still less places to check. Um, so I guess it does depend on how you're using it. If you are required to look at every message, then it becomes uh, probably more tedious to have to check uh, more, more places. But if, uh, like you said, people are using it properly and you know, people are putting the right messages in the right threads, then it can be nice to safely ignore ones that aren't relevant to you and only pick up uh, on the ones that you do need to uh, know about. And it's a native app. So uh, RAM usage, especially on a, on a on this 13-inch MacBook that I'm still forced to use, um, it's quite nice to have something that doesn't uh, use uh, two gigs of the aid you have. All right. Speaking of uh, your amazing new MacBook Pro, Kai, uh, how's your spacebar going? Um, I think that actually happened during our last recording. It was the first time I noticed that my spacebar, uh, I hit the spacebar and I didn't get a space. So now, uh, since then, about every 20th or 30th uh, hit on the spacebar is just not just not recognized so i think i will have to book a genius appointment some sometime soon and get my top case replaced but the annoying thing for this is that this time you don't have an imac so are you gonna wait till thanks for rubbing it in <laughs> i'm sorry but are you planning on waiting uh, until the imac is coming out and then get it replaced because i think this is a problem that a lot of people have that if they only have one computer or their um or if their laptop is their primary computer it's very hard to actually just hand it in for a week in order to get the top case replaced uh you used to be in the fortunate situation where you had an imac as well um but i think now you're holding off with buying the new imac so what's your are you having do you have a plan for this uh yeah, I, I think it kind of depends on um, how my spacebar is uh, behaving over the next few few days. Um, it's always hard with something that happens. So, uh, I mean, relatively f infrequently, it's hard to really replicate. So I, I 
just opened a text document and um, hit the spacebar 20 times and then looked how many spaces I actually got. Uh, and it was really, I, I don't know, I was going crazy there trying to, to count and make sure, wait, did I, did I get my count right? Did, <laughs> did I first count the, the spaces I hit correctly? So it's really hard. It, it also doesn't always happen. I, I think it's a specific, if I hit a spacebar on the left side, it seems to happen more than if I hit it center. It's just frustrating to to have something like a keyboard. I mean, we're we're by far not the first podcast complaining about that, um, but it is quite frustrating to have something that is um, that you want to be reliable to then start to not be reliable. So I will see. I will see. Uh, depending on how it goes over the next few days, I I try to hold off until. Uh, the September event if we're seeing new computers I might go ahead and get the top case replaced and then uh, sell a MacBook anyways I, I think I got to a point where I don't think I want to keep the the two port MacBook Pro um, and after top case replacement is probably the perfect time to to sell it yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. I think you have had a few issues with it not being, it not performing in the way that you would like from a, from a computer. So I think if you're getting a an iMac, I think you will be quite satisfied with that. I hope. Uh, let's see if you're getting an iMac or an iMac Pro. iMac Pro, <laughs> iMac Pro. Um, depends on. I mean, depends on what Apple does. I'm not picky. all right uh, speaking of uh, macbooks not performing correctly um, or not being as powerful as we would hope them to be um, i started using i installed um, one password um, or i want to install one password on my mac uh, and for that i wanted to uh, i needed to install dropbox because i had my one password folder uh, backed up into Dropbox um, and I hadn't done this I hadn't set it up on my new Mac yet and uh, I have I hadn't installed Dropbox at all ever on this Mac uh, so we thought it was an interesting experience, experiment just to see if I had the same issues as Kai have had I think we mentioned it probably like three episodes ago uh, so basically Kai's problem was that every time he did any changes um, to any files uh, that would trigger um Dropbox to start indexing the files again, even if it wasn't actually happening in the Dropbox folder. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I, I think the problem is more that we don't really know what happens. So the client is not giving you anything. It's just saying that it's idling. But it, as soon as anything on the file system changes, it goes to 100% CPU utilization. Yeah, and I just want to say that I think. Um, even if I had a completely fresh install and had never been on a Dropbox beta, I had the same problem. So now I'm in a similar situation as Kai when I have to decide where I want to move my storage. Uh, I don't store many things in Dropbox, but I do have one password there. So I need to figure out what I what I want to do with my one password backup. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about iCloud, but I'm not sure if I want to rely that much on iCloud. Um, so yeah, I'm still thinking about it. Probably get an update on that later. Yeah, it's really not good for such a big app to be having problems like this. You'd think they've sorted their syncing stuff out by now. Yeah, and it's it, the sad thing is that Dropbox is... I mean, I've tried a lot of them over the last 
weeks um, and now spend some more more time with Google Drive and OneDrive. Um, and it's sad because Dropbox is overall still the best in everything but but uh, <laughs> the CPU utilization. Um, it's just that the finer integration otherwise just works. Um, it it syncs uh, relatively quickly, and I've never had issues with multiple files being uh, uh, causing any type of um, uh, merging conflict. It kind of just runs and works. Um, but I mean, I I notice now if if I have a full day of working in Xcode. Um, I, I get about half the, almost half the um, battery life out of my MacBook while Dropbox is running um, because I have all my source files in, in Dropbox. So it's constantly, no, actually it wouldn't matter. <laughs> if yeah. anything happens on the file system, it would, in, uh, it would run anyway. Yeah, I'm just going to brush over the fact that you have uh, Xcode project files in any kind <laughs> of sync system. It's, it's not as bad as it sounds. I convinced one person already. Yeah, I this thought is he was what crazy. Git is for. It's not exactly what crazy. Git is for because I'm not con con continuously committing to Git, especially not if I'm in the middle of fixing something. So if I would be in the middle of fixing something and I can't get um, the app I'm working on to run, I'm not going to commit that because then I'm having uh, this branch sitting around which contains unbuildable code. So... But what if, yeah, I'm not going to go into the argument. We've been arguing about All this right. before. I, I, I can go into that argument because I think it's actually uh, one of the biggest improvements to my kind of development flow. Because usually what I kind of did is... Um, you use one computer. I will not accept <laughs> this argument. <laughs> At the moment, it's, I'm in a different situation. Um, but usually I, I have two uh, or sometimes a work computer and then... A private computer or whatever but whenever there are multiple machines it's so nice not to have never having to worry about whether you did commit or not so if you're in the middle of something you just get up go home go wherever you need to go uh open whatever other computer you have and you're in the exact same uh um uh, state as you as you left it including all your uh, latest commits that you might have not pushed yet, including all your uh, recent file changes. And it's it's just every computer is at the exact same point in time of your development flow. And I think that is it's an incredible benefit that you wouldn't get from Git. I mean, Git is still a thing where, that I use quite frequently for like commits as I'm kind of feeling like I'm done with something or made good progress on something and it's in a state that I can build. But I wouldn't go on to commit something when I'm kind of halfway through heart surgery. Yeah, I really don't want this to make it sound like we're not using Gitflow anymore. Uh, Wait a second. What? You're writing code halfway through heart surgery? <laughs> you sort out your priorities, man. <laughs> but I can, and if I go back to, to development, everything is in the exact right uh, place. Until Dropbox corrupts files. Yeah, it never happens. And that's exactly it. It doesn't. Never. Uh, that's why I, I like doing that with Dropbox because I've I've done this for years now. I've never had issues with it. Um, usually two or three computers, and it just it just works. And it was really nice. I don't know. Something is begging to go wrong here. And and I mean, 
you can tell me you've never had the situation that you went to work, you did some work, you went home and realized that you didn't commit something. Yeah, I actually had this earlier um, with, with a project I was working on. I think I was selling the computer I had and I knew that I had committed things to Git. I knew that there was nothing there that I needed to back up. Um, I think I had an old backup from like a couple of days ago too. So I was like, okay, I can just wipe this computer because I was in a hurry. I wanted to um, sell it. And then I decided to just wipe it. And then I was going to my new computer and I was trying to set everything up. And I decided to... Um, pull the code again from um, from GitHub because I forgot that I had it in, uh, that I already had it in uh, iCloud. And then I realized that I hadn't actually pushed some of the things that I committed and I thought that I lost it. And I was like, wait a second, I have it all in, um, in cloud storage. And then I could just open a folder there and I found everything as I left it. Even if something would go wrong, you still have Git for that right so if you see there there are some weird things that happen to your file you will still see that and you can still revert back to whatever you have it's just an additional thing that makes it nicer for you to work it, it is surprisingly nice it sounds weird and sounds crazy but it's really really nice i respect your life choices <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i think i think you will come around yeah, I think should I should mm. I think you should you should give it a shot, see how it goes for you. And if you don't like it for whatever magic reason, I will accept that. Um probably not and continue to convince you, but uh I think you you should give it a shot. It is it is it is quite a nice way of not worrying about committing things and not worrying about what computer you're sitting on. It just everything is <laughs> because you usually sit on your computers. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why your spacebar isn't working. <laughs> uh, yeah, make fun of the foreigners. <laughs> I'm also a foreigner, so I'm allowed to make fun of you. I don't know if that term works. Anyway, uh, moving on, the next item is Apple Event Day. Yeah, so I think we briefly spoke about this. Uh, so the Apple Event is coming up, and I think um, we, were bo we were all thinking that it would happen on the Tuesday. Uh, but we did realize that the Tuesday is um, September the 11th. And mm -hmm. I think we then quickly realized that it could be that they're going to put the event on the Wednesday instead. Because I think you, Zach, mentioned that you were, um, this might have happened before. So it could be that. Yeah, I have a feeling that they've skipped. Um, I have a feeling they've skipped September 11 before. Uh, when it's when the event usually would fall on the on the Tuesday of September 11th. Um, there was an interesting uh, tweet by one of the journalists at 9to5Mac with the history of iPhone event days, um, like an announcement of the event, then the event day and pre-orders and the iPhone launch over the last, I think, like six or seven years. I'm just trying to pull it up now. So I found the chart and the year that I was talking about was 2012. The event fell on September 12th. Uh, even though the even though September the 11th was the Tuesday, so it was when the iPhone 5 was announced. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that's definitely why the event was on the Wednesday, but I think it makes sense to avoid that day uh, as a general rule. So if it is indeed that week uh, of the 10th, I think it makes sense to hold the event on the 12th. Um, that also makes a lot of well, that would be great for this podcast too, because I think uh, that's a, a generally a better day to record because. 
Uh, it's Thursday morning here in Australia. Uh, I don't actually start uni until a bit later on Thursday mornings, um, whereas Wednesday mornings I start at 8.30, so it gives us some time to record an episode before uh, before I have to go to class for that day, which would be uh, pretty exciting to have a, a an episode right after the event uh, and then maybe an episode right after getting our orders if we happen to order anything. Yeah, the cool thing with that is that you're you definitely, I think, Zach, you're definitely going to order a few things. And I think you're going to get it before us because it's, um, they, they will be released, rele- for us, they will be released the day before we will get them. So it will be super exciting to just, <laughs> um, to just hear you unbox it and hear your first impression. Yeah, I think we should definitely do, if I am unboxing uh, something that day, I think it would make sense for me to pick it up after class uh, and then head to this room that I'm in now in the university library and call you in for it and we can record a short podcast. With That's what the libraries are for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've spent more time in this library probably in the last three or four weeks since this semester started than I have <laughs> in my last two and a half years at this university. And it's been for one of two things, either recording this show or for practicing the conference talk. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm finally starting to get some use out of this place and it's got nothing to do with uni work. It's <laughs> odd. <laughs> mm. So we'll do a unboxing audio podcast. I think that will be a huge hit. Well, well, you know, like talk about the the product and you can see the unboxing on the on the Skype video and you can explain it for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, that's everything we make this for anyways. Mm. I'm super excited this year. I don't know. I, I I don't remember being this excited in a long time. And it's weird because I've also never been this happy with my with my iPhone. Um and Apple Watch for that matter. I actually I don't really have anything that I Oh man, I'm still looking forward to getting a new Apple Watch. I'm really often getting frustrated about mine. It takes so long. So I have uh the second generation? Series two. Series two. Oh, thank you. Um, and it's so frustrating. It often takes really long to just start a new workout. And you know, when you have started a workout and then you finish the workout, um, you just fit, like you just um, do that by like cl- clicking, tapping the finish action. And after that, the sec- if you op- if you open up the workout app, after that, uh, you're gonna get like an overview of your previous workout. Um, so what you have to do then is to tap done, and then you start. A new workout right after but that step takes so long just to get the summary of the previous workout and then going actually being available to interact with the button even the scrolling down to access the button is really sluggish for me and sometimes the app just crashes um so i'm really looking forward to getting a new a new watch and also getting uh, a new watch os version so i think i'm definitely gonna buy that very um very quickly after it's been released yeah, I'm also quite excited for the watch. Definitely a lot more excited for the watch than the phone. Uh, and I've also, I've got a feeling that next year at WWDC, that watchOS 6 will be a pretty significant update. Um, so I think it would make sense to have the latest and greatest watch when uh, a pretty significant software update is, you know, going through beta for, for the Apple Watch. I think that'll be a pretty exciting time. I'm just really excited to be in the same time zone. <laughs> I'm sorry, Zach. Um, but it's like, 
everything happens when we're awake. It's pretty good. I mean, usually they happen when we're awake, but we have to force ourselves yeah. to be awake. I think 10 a.m. is is a lot easier to manage than 3 a.m. was in Sydney and 5 a.m. was in, in Perth. Yeah. But on the flip side to that, when I'm ordering my devices at 5 p.m. and you're up at midnight, I'll be very glad to be in Sydney. <laughs> and when I'm unboxing it like 20 hours before you... No, that's fine. Um, no, I think it makes a lot. It'd be kind of cool to be in the same time zone. Um, it was actually funny. The first time I went over for WWDC, uh, it was like, oh, great. I'm finally going to watch a keynote that's at 10 a.m. and I don't have to wake up super early for. But I ended up waking early, waking up earlier to yeah. line up for that keynote than I would have woken up in Sydney yeah. to watch it. I know. So I think that plan kind of backfired. But um, yep, same it was, was. The, the idea of being in the same time zone was cool, at least. Yeah. And I, I think I kind of prefer, or I'm excited about that being a a streamed event over a an event where you have to line up and then like WWDC is, is, is great, but the lining up definitely has an impact on your mental state by the time you get in there. Um, <laughs> you, I, I, at least I was, I was quite, quite tired. Um, I don't remember when we started lining up. It wasn't that early. I think it was 6 a.m. <laughs> well, for me, that was very early. Yeah, but the first year I was lining up, I think I started at 3 a.m. And, oh, man, that was terrible because I flew in from Australia then, too. And mm. I was so jet lagged. It was not a good idea. Represent. I would, yeah, I was there at 2 a.m. that year as well. Um, I didn't know you back then. It's so weird. We, we probably would have been fairly like, close in the line. Yeah, we were probably standing like 20 meters away from each other. Probably. Yep. So which year did you have the yeah. better seats, Marlon? The one at 3 a.m. or the one at 6 a.m.? 6 a.m., yeah. Uh, I don't have any... Different venue, though. <laughs> I don't know if you can compare. <laughs> yeah, but the other one was in Bill Graham. So that should have actually been the same size venue, right? So mm. I think Bill Graham overall was a better keynote venue. Um, just because it was so massive, but it was built for those kind of things where every seat felt close enough to the stage and also every seat was facing the stage. Whereas the problem with, um, what do they call it in San Jose? The McHenry Convention Center? Um, the room is is exceptionally wide. And if you aren't in that middle section, then it can be quite uncomfortable to have to turn your neck towards the stage. Yeah, yeah. I think this year we just got really lucky that... Um we were kind of in the beginning of one of the groups that they separate you into. And then when we walked up to our seats, uh, everyone seemed to assume that the first row was not, we were not allowed to sit in the first row. Uh, so we just asked, hey, can we sit in the first row? And uh, the guy that was kind of walking us through, he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so we just walked to the first row and sat down there. So that was nice, but I think that was that was lucky. Just the way Apple separated the groups, and that no one else uh, decided to sit in the first row. I think um, it's not something you can bank on to to get there at six and get first row seats. Anyway, I'm 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 very excited about this year's event, and it's also nice because um, we can just get a coffee in the morning, um, get a coffee at nine thirty, walk back, turn on the stream, and. Uh, Watch the keynote while drinking coffee. I also noticed um, that uh, in our last episode, when I was listening through uh, before we published, I noticed I said, as long as Apple's not calling the iPhone 9 and 11, we'll be all right. I actually think it's not, not very unlikely. 
Yeah, so this is where I wanted to highlight that uh, it's quite unlikely that there will be an event on the 11th of September. Um, I think it's also quite unlikely that for the same reasons, I think Apple might not release an iPhone 9 and an iPhone 11 during the same event. I think that might be... um, it doesn't sound right um, if you put that if you put those two numbers that's out at the same time. So that might be a, a reason why they don't go with those names. I, I think we wouldn't see a nine and eleven on the on nine eleven, but I think uh, Apple won't care about it after. If we have a Wednesday event, I don't think there will be any concerns about releasing a phone. Yeah, maybe not. Okay, so on Tuesday morning at. 10 past 3 in the morning. I was sound asleep. This is Tuesday in Australia, right? Tuesday, yes, yeah, Sydney time. Uh, so it would have been Monday morning uh, for you. I got a message from Kai saying that group FaceTime is gone and it will ship after iOS 12. Then an hour and a half later, Beta 7 has a decent amount of oddities on my phone. Then an hour after that, around the time I was waking up, seems better after about an hour. Might just do some background work after install. Then, you know, me trying to get my priorities straight after just having woken up, replied, is there an Xcode beta 2? And then uh, more conversation. And then Kai said, uh, beta 7 is slow. Might be worthwhile holding off for a bit. So I listened to his advice, not really knowing why. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit more, Kai? <laughs> yeah, so... Um... I obviously, as soon as I jumped onto a beta train, I mean, it took me a while this year to to uh, install iOS 12 beta, but I was fully committed from that day onwards. Every Monday in the last, I think we've seen a new beta every every Monday for the last few weeks. I knew uh, yeah, at like about that. 10 a.m. there will be a new beta, and uh, I would usually hit the install button one minute after. Um, I was I was fully committed, and so again with beta seven. So uh, beta 7 was released, uh, installed the beta, um, the install already uh, took surprisingly long. So after the install, you know how you usually see the um, the white apple on a black background and then it kind of reboots and, and uh, you see the, uh, the your home screen and you see that, there, that you install a new update. Um, mm-hmm. My phone was stuck on that apple for about... I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. And I thought, all right, that can happen in a beta that they're doing some cleanup after or something changed that needs to be restructured. I didn't really think of it as as a bad sign. Um, And then the first thing I did, I think, is I tried to open Safari and it took uh, about 30 seconds to open Safari. So uh, I think that's when I uh, went to the Messages app uh, to send you a message that the beta is out and uh, that it has some oddities. Um, launching the messages app took about five minutes. Uh, so at that point, I I was um, still under the assumption that it's probably some some background task. So I put the phone away, um, left it on on the charger for for an hour or so, um, just to for the phone to finish kind of its its cleanup uh, tasks. At least that's what I assumed. Um, it was briefly better after that, and um, then an hour after that, it went completely. I, I had the biggest issues I've ever had on any iOS beta ever, I believe. Um, opening any app would either not work at all, so you tap an app icon uh, 
on, on your home screen and nothing would happen, or your phone would freeze for three minutes while trying to open the app, or um, buttons wouldn't wouldn't respond to anything. So I, I, I plan to restart the phone. Uh, couldn't restart the phone because buttons didn't work again. So I, I for the first time, I used the shutdown option in the settings. Uh, under settings general, you have the... Uh, like a software button for shutdown. So I used that for the first time, um, booted the phone again, and after that, nothing would work anymore. Um, so I basically wrote it off, uh, considered whether I should um, roll back to an older beta or download the IPSW file and uh, install through iTunes on, uh, um, the, the same update again to see if it fixes it. Um, yeah, so overall, that was, I think... I don't think everyone was hit as as hard as I was, um, but it was definitely um, a a challenging. Uh, I think two days to use my phone until Apple uh, issued Beta Eight. Yeah, it was. It was also a very quick turnaround on the betas, um, but has Beta Eight fixed the problem for you? Yep, all fine again. Cool. Yeah, I, I listened to your advice and skipped beta 7. I'd actually downloaded it, but didn't go ahead with the install. I was pleasantly surprised that beta 7 for watchOS uh, fixed a lot of the issues I talked about last week that I was having with Siri shortcuts. Um, I probably would have gone ahead and risked installing beta 7 on my iPhone if the watch uh, version hadn't fixed those Siri things because I was eager to get them working ahead of the talk. Um, but fortunately didn't have to do that and then could jump straight to beta 8. Um, so yeah, I, I skipped all of those problems fortunately, so thank you for that warning. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't sound very good that that got past QA and um, it, it sounded like it affected almost everyone who installed it. It didn't really seem like one of these hit and miss problems. It seemed like almost everybody was having at least problems to some extent. Yeah, I mean it, it's a beta. I wasn't I wasn't too upset about it. I I knew what I got myself into, and uh, I I I was fine with that. Uh, I was also surprised how severe of an issue that was. I would really like to know what happened there. Uh, again, probably something we'll never know. But um, I mean, I'm happy that that we ran into that now and not for for the GM or the the release. So I'm all right. I mean, maybe something. Uh, was fixed there to prevent this from happening again and then it was a good outcome um, I'm also quite happy that I mean the turnaround was was pretty quick I think uh, two days is is pretty good for for something like a new beta so it was, I was I was fine with yeah. that but definitely uh, I think you did yourself a favor of holding off for that one <laughs> yeah definitely much better that they catch it now yeah now when um, when beta Eight seem to be quite stable. I'm gonna just wait and see how uh, <laughs> until this weekend. If you guys haven't had any problems with it, or if people on the internet haven't had that big problems with it, I think I'm actually gonna update my phone. Woohoo! All the emoji. I mean, memoji. One thing I'm really annoyed about is that I often, if I wake up in the night, I used to I used to have my watch standing next to next to the bed, but I'm not having that at the moment, so I can't use the watch to check what the time is. So now I'm usually checking uh, the time on my phone, and I always find it to be quite distracting because I tend to see some notifications. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely getting distracted by the notifications sometimes, so I'm really looking forward to installing the beta so that I can get the 
um, the nice do not disturb features. The next point that we've got in the notes here uh, talks about Twitter alternatives. And then under that, there's a sub point that says bar analogy. And I'm quite curious. I think one of you added that. I'm quite curious what you mean by this. <laughs> um, I, was, I was still, I mean, I was obviously still annoyed about um, Twitter and what they're doing at the moment. And then um, one of the executives uh, had kind of this uh, Twitter thread about um, <laughs> an approximation of an explanation of why they're doing things. Um, and then I thought about why, why does this something that bugs me that much? And I thought about it kind of like if you have a bar and you have a whole bunch of friends and you always go to the same bar on, on a Saturday night and you always have a good time and you like it there and you go there every, every Saturday. They uh, made a show about this. It's called How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> no, I think that's every night. <laughs> Yeah, but you always go there with your friends and you have a good time. Then all of a sudden, um, there there are groups of people coming in harassing everyone in the bar. And you're like, all right, I guess we keep coming here. Um, the next week you're deciding, all right, maybe we should talk to the bar owner. Maybe the bar owner can do something about those, those, that group of people that keeps harassing everyone in the bar that just tries to peacefully talk and have like exchange information and talk to each other. Um, and then the next week they're coming back, they're asking the bar owner, hey, how's it going with, with the um, the people that are offensive and harassing everyone? And the bar owner is saying, you know what, I think they're also customers and they're valuable for us to, be in, for us to have in the bar and I think we should keep them. This is not a bar you would keep going back to every weekend. And I feel like that's kind of what Twitter is now. And I don't understand why people are so attached to that platform if the people that go there is what make the platform what it is and clearly the platform is not very um welcoming of of a lot of us and not welcoming for a lot of the ways we want to use that platform yeah so i think to just conclude the example i think in real life people would just decide to go to a different bar. So I think that's sort of what, we, what we're up to now. I feel like people aren't happy. People aren't happy with the direction it's going in. And I think um, it's time for us to just find somewhere else to hang out. But it feels like for some reason, it's still this hesitation. Some people still continue going to the bar where they're being harassed or where other people are being harassed around them. And it's And difficult. then nothing being done by the, by the owner of that bar. So I feel like we're at a point where, where that bar doesn't... Uh, deserve our business anymore and we should just find ourselves a new bar does that make sense to you do you think that i'm more of a coffee drinker <laughs> it's a coffee bar yeah, what is this bar you speak of? no um it does make sense and i, I know what you mean that well, why are we still supporting but this? it's it's not just it's not just the people in, in it's not just the people in the dark dark corner of the bar right it's also that there are all of a sudden there are those weird things where it's like we've you know, like the the API restrictions now. That's another thing that a lot of us used and clearly that's not welcome anymore. Third-party apps mm -hmm. are not welcome anymore to use Twitter as... I mean, I understand that. P Twitter kind of has what they want to do. They, I mean, that the executive of product or, or whatever his uh, title is, 
he was mostly talking about the new API as being for brand engagement and um, chatbots. But I'm not, I'm not after a brand engagement platform. I don't think anyone wants to sign up for a brand engagement platform. That's just not a thing that I want to do. But clearly that's what Twitter wants to, to do and wants to be. Uh, using Tweetboard circumvents that because you don't see the ads, you don't get as many uh, analytics, you don't really have this way of uh, some algorithm trying to force your attention to wherever they think they make the most money of your attention to go to. Um, so I do th understand why Twitter has no interest in, interest in hosting us uh, on their infrastructure because Twitter pays for that, right? There is there is a cost associated with us using Twitter with third-party clients. I still don't believe that there wouldn't have been a way for for the users that want to use Twitter in that specific way or for the app developers that want to provide a specific experience to somehow find a way of monetizing that. I still don't believe that. But clearly, Twitter's not interested in that money. They've made that clear over years now. It was just always that it didn't affect us enough that we didn't have a reason to, to move on. But I feel like now when it's so clear and there seems to not really be... Um, any any wiggle room of still making our thing work the way we want to want it to work i think it's a good time to move on to to a infrastructure that does want to be our infrastructure and i think that's yeah. why why i think this is a good time for it but also just as a statement a good thing to leave a platform um that is so clearly not interested in what we want it to be. And I mean, we're not really people that can force Twitter to, I mean, they're, they're, they're business, they can do whatever they want to do. But I think us as customers and us as a group that is probably, um, I mean, a very early group that was on Twitter and kind of helped Twitter becoming what it is. And I think we talked about that uh, last week. It, it might be just time to to take that out of Twitter somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. And I, I get the feeling, uh, based on a few things that I've read today, that, that, that Twitter don't understand their own product, or at least they don't understand the part of the product that we, uh, sort of the, the tech community, the ones who have helped sort of, like not us personally, but, you know, the, the community in general who has helped sort of march Twitter forward. I don't think that Twitter quite understand what the what these people get out of the product. And so they're not able to hone in on any of its strengths. And I don't even think they understand what we like about Twitter, or at least they don't, they act like they don't understand. And that's unfortunate. But I do also question... In today's day and age, how relevant is that to Twitter? I mean, it's all well and good if, you know, a, a few, I don't know, a few tens of thousands even people move away from Twitter as a result of, of this. But ultimately, like, if celebrities are still there tweeting and if t TV shows are still showing official hashtags, I imagine that the users who are signing up to read Katy Perry's tweets are more valuable to Twitter just simply because somebody like Katy Perry or just, I don't know, somebody famous in general can tweet. And if one of their tweets sort of blows up, then the amount of new users it's bringing Twitter 
far outweighs anything that we as a small but passionate minority could bring to Twitter and benefit Twitter in today's day and age. I obviously don't want to hone in on what we like about it. And I think they're more interested in growing their brand through other ways. And that doesn't involve third-party APIs. And that doesn't involve, uh, you know, listening to the voices of minorities and, and things like that. Um, and that that is unfortunate. Uh, but it seems to be the direction that Twitter management is taking. And I, I do question whether anything, like even if a few of us stop using the platform, does that really change anything for Twitter? Uh, I don't, probably I don't think, not. I don't think it needs to change anything for Twitter, though. I, I'm, I'm per- perfectly fine for Twitter to stagnate in their features as a community um, and just be the... Um, brand engagement platform and customer support uh, system that they apparently want to be. I, I don't mind that, you know. I, I don't mind Twitter in a year just being the place where you get your uh, telco support because the Twitter support seems to be better than whatever they build themselves. I don't mind that. I just think we shouldn't use it for something that they don't want it to be. And if that means users leave, I mean... Uh, it's not uh, we, we've multiple times seen social networks that that were super successful and everyone used them for a while and people moved off um i don't think that can happen with twitter uh but i also don't i don't really i don't really care because i care about the other people on that platform and if those move off and if i want to see i don't know the official twitter account for a specific football channel then i can still follow that on twitter because now i use twitter for what it's what they want it to be as a brand engagement platform but i talk to my friends and talk to people in the industry and talk to people or or read from people that i think are worthwhile listening to somewhere else where where that is not being uh, made more difficult and constantly getting those frustrations of thinking because we at the moment we are perceiving it as a social network right we're perceiving it as a social network as a as a community and then there being all those people that have uh, very extreme um, differences and uh, partially illegal or not illegal but um, just racist motives um I think that hurts more because we're currently treating it as a social platform than it would hurt if if that's not where we talk to other people in our channels. Um, and I think that's that's kind of, for me, my goal. I don't need Twitter to now go bankrupt and go away. Uh, they seem to work on that all by themselves anyway. Um, but I want to move our community that is more open and more focused on on kind of uh doing the right thing to for those people to move away and move somewhere where uh, we're both welcome and where you can use the 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 client that you want to use and the way you want to consume that information and the way you want to communicate yeah i think we're all sort of on board with the fact that what we need now is just a place to interact socially where um, the platform is sort of 
more appealing to what we what we want to use it for and i think it's not at all about uh, us wanting uh, like twitter to go away or something like i said it can become whatever platform it wants but it's clearly not moving towards the platform that we want so it sort of makes sense to find something else because um like in the end if this bar decides that they want to have a different business model or they want to support um like let's say it's a it's a bar that we used to bring all of our board games to and all of a sudden we're not allowed to bring board games we can only play the black at the blackjack jack tables um and we might not be very into blackjack i think it's better if we take our board games to a cafe instead this is a very i i have a very vivid idea of what this bar <laughs> looks like now coffee is better than beer anyway it's fine exactly yeah no i agree though um but yeah so i think I think I think it's not really a question of whether we should move away. I think like it's something that many people have been wanting to do for a while. It's more about I think the problem now is to just get people onto one platform because I don't want this to be I don't want it to be a situation when there are a lot of different platforms to move to and because of that we decide not to move at all because if the community gets spread and we can't find everyone we wanted to follow on Twitter on those com- in those communities or on those websites, it will be a lot harder to get everyone to move if you have to follow two so if you have to actually be on two different platforms uh, as a result of that. I think that will make it a lot harder to actually get people to completely engage in a different platform. Hmm. And I think all of us kind of we we've used uh, Mastodon for the last few days. Um, and I think it, we are now at a tipping point where it seems to have enough people that you can use it as a thing. It might not be as complete. You might not have all the uh, all the people that you can talk to on Twitter there yet. But I feel like we're now at a point where the conversations do start happening there. It's if if I, I I have a timeline that constantly has updates and I see interactions going on and. When, when I send it to people answer and I feel like now we're at a point where where it's not um, not too small to be useful um, yeah and I'm actually quite excited about this because I feel like I wasn't really on Twitter at the early stage so I wasn't there when it got established and when it was still a small community where everyone sort of knew who each other was uh, I got on it when it was a big platform and um, now I feel like it's it's a different approach. Everything feels a bit friendlier, and people are just following each other, and um, everyone's just happy to interact with each other, even if they might not um, have followed each other on Twitter before or in the, interacted with each other on Twitter. I think it's great to see that uh, people are very open to just communicate with people on this platform um, because they want to probably because they want the platform to succeed and I think that's great that people actually have that attitude um, and I also feel a lot more I feel a bit more relaxed writing things on uh, Tootbot I feel like I'm trying to use it more as a Tootbot? Oh Tootbot sorry no, it's not called Tootbot um, do, you have, uh, do you have some type of beta access that we don't <laughs> I would like a Tootbot by the way Damn it I wasn't allowed to talk about that um, no, but I do definitely feel like I'm trying to use it in a more playful way and be a bit more, um, a bit more relaxed when writing. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really trying to em- embrace it and be a bit more involved. 
All right, so next week then uh, we'll kind of go through an introduction to Mastodon and how that all works. Cool. Uh, and now I think it's time for the list. So I can see you've both added your picks to the list and there's no uh, still, yeah. nothing quite as crazy as last week on there this week. So do you want to get started, Marlon? I couldn't add what I wanted to add because you guys argued that it wasn't an app that you could download from the App Store. So I had to find something else. Um, I don't mind, but I have actually had... Um, I struggled a bit finding uh, finding an app this week because I felt like we recorded quite recently and I haven't been using that many new apps lately. So uh, I actually went and downloaded a lot of new apps and I was intending to try them out, but I can just put them here as honorable mentions of things I'm going to try in the future. Um, so um, one thing was uh, Back to Bed, which seemed like a really cute game, which is based, it looks similar to something like Monument Valley. So it's this sort of like a uh, puzzle game where you have to um, direct a character through a game. Uh, and then I'm going to try a Splashy Dot, I think. I think my um, notes just autocorrect that to something else. But I think it's called Splashy Dots, which is another game. Um, and I'm actually... I don't remember what the third one is. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try these three out. I think we have to tell... Marlon again what the uh, what the segment is I just wanted <laughs> to mention them just so you guys know I've been trying to do homework for this uh, <laughs> but then I, I wasn't having a chance to try them out but I did find an app that I've been using quite extensively uh, a few like probably a month or two ago when we were in the middle of moving uh, here and um, just to communicate with people in different time zones and that app is called uh, Time There. Um, so Time There is basically an app for you to be able to see time, different time zones and schedule meetings. Uh, you can also schedule meetings across different time zones. So it's a pretty cool app. Um, so you basically set one location on the left hand side and one location on the right hand side and then you have like a scroll wheel in the middle. So you can basically see Whatever time you want to select um, in one of the time zones, you're automatically going to see what the time will be in the other time zone. It's actually a really nice way of uh, looking what time it will be somewhere else before you schedule a meeting or something. And the good thing is that you can directly um, share um, a time in the in the app. So you can set, a, um, like if I want to catch up with USAC, um, I can just check whatever time fits both of us um, according to like what time zones we're in and then I can just send a meeting invite directly from there oh, that's pretty cool yeah yeah I know the the time zone thing has taken some getting used to um, I think I've kind of got it down pat in my head now I just add seven hours and well then subtract 24 and that's where you are but <laughs> yeah I think that'll change again when when we get to or we'll enter summertime and you'll come out of summertime so that's yep. going to be really confusing again so i might have to uh check out this app <laughs> and definitely use it during that transition period also i think that happens at different times so first you will go an hour to the front and then later we will go an hour back that yeah, sounds about right just download the app yep yep that'll make it easy cool the app time there is it Time there, iMessage edition? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay, cool. Just checking that's the right one. Downloading. They also have a pretty decent um, iMessage extension. iMessage app? What are they called? Message app? Also, it's not just an iMessage app? No, no, it is a full, it's a full app, but it also has this iMessage 
uh, app. Ah, judging by their screenshots, almost all of them are iMessage apps. Yeah, they definitely they definitely push the the message part, and it's really nice mm-hmm. because you can go into message. Uh, uh, messages and then kind of scroll through the time zones and then say, all right, I want to send this one. Um, But they also do have a companion app that where you can kind of drive to the full time zones and the default cities you want to be have in there. That's pretty cool. So now I know that it's uh, 10.27 p.m. where you are. Yes. So I think we have to ask you, Zach, which app did you pick? I've picked Notability this week. So I've used Notability on iOS, uh, mainly on my iPad for taking handwritten notes for a few months now, Um, mainly uni classes and things like that. But more recently, I started using it. uh, I I keep the iPad on my desk. I I don't usually use it for things that aren't uni related, but I have been a little bit more lately uh, just to jot down some notes. So I'm using it essentially just as a notepad. And I thought it'd be nice to... Uh, now that I'm using it for more than just uni stuff, be able to view these on my Mac too. So I recently downloaded the Notability Mac app. Sorry for breaking the rules, Kai, uh, but that's part of the pick here. And I was thinking that well, because you can do handwritten notes and also you can type on notes, uh, I think it'd be really nice to be able to add to these notes like from my Mac when I don't have my iPad nearby and vice versa. And the best way to do sort of combine notes with handwriting and text, and that seems to be Notability. But for it to work properly, I'll need to use that as my main notes app. So I'm in the process of transitioning everything over to Notability and seeing how that goes as my, I guess I've used the Apple Notes app up for everything up until now. But we'll see how Notability uh, compares. The Mac app isn't as nice visually, but the iOS app is, is quite all right. Um, so I guess it'll be interesting to report back in a few weeks, but I have been a big fan of Notability, uh, at least for handwritten notes, the last few months. And so that's why I'm picking it this week. Yeah, you have to let, let me know how it is because i actually also been looking for a, a good app for handwritten notes for my iPad. So I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Awesome. I have to report back. All right. And for me this week, I... Um, I look. I used to use twelve stats to to kind of see what did I actually use a lot this week, and I noticed hold down, um, the game hold down stuck out. But I think that was the most used app on my phone for the last seven days. Um, I don't want to disclose the exact amount of time, but a very very long time. And I think factor three to the second most used app on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I did use that a lot. And it's um, it's a game. It is um, kind of hard to describe. So you kind of... Uh, the idea is that you're digging to the core of different uh, moons and planets. Um, and the game is kind of working like a reverse breakout. Um, so breakout where you kind of shoot a ball... At, at tiles and then they break as you hit them and you kind of try to to get the ball kind of wedged behind tile, tiles so it would bounce against uh, the wall and against other tiles to then take down as much as it can. So kind of the mechanics are kind of like that, but it's incredibly well done. Um, it is it is really nice on, on iOS. The music is really good. The sound effects, I love the sound effects. It's super addicting because you kind of have this kind of progression where you first uh, uh, dig to to the core of the moon. Um, you kind of get crystals or something that you collect while, while going through and you can buy upgrades as you do that and then kind of go through different planets 
that are having that are deeper so you have to dig more and kind of hit more of those tiles to to get there um and when you're done it's not really much of a spoiler because it's not really a story in this game um you kind of get into an infinite mode where you kind of just go for for the deepest you can go uh in a black hole um and it's it's really it's surprisingly addicting um and i think a big factor of that is just how well it's done and it's not it's not one of those games that's full of ads it's just you paid up front uh it's a few dollars uh, and then you play as much as you want. No in-app purchases, just j- just gameplay. Um, also seems to not uh, run through your battery uh, too crazy. It seems to be quite modest on 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 the requirements. I mean, it's it's nice visually. It's nice, but it's definitely not not fancy. Uh, doesn't use any too fancy graphics. Uh, but it's really nice. I, I spend a lot of time on it. Um, and I think both of you should check it out if you happen to have some time to kill it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna download it and play it uh, next week. And um, I do have a folder on my on my phone, which is kind of like the uh, the games. I mean, I always have kind of games that I th- play for a while and then throw them away. But there are very few games that I keep on my phone forever and keep going back for years. Um, and th- that is one of the few games in 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 the recent i think months that actually made it in there where do you think this belongs on the list um for me i think it probably sits between city map and fantastical to to take the new sixth place uh, that's where i want to add mm-hmm. time there because I felt like it's uh, city map is something i use daily on a database fantastical is still something that I want to get back to using, but I'm not using it that much. So I thought it should also sit somewhere around there. I'd be happy to add both there. Which order? Um, I mean, I would argue for a hold on first. That sounds fair. I think it's more a more complicated, um, complicated app, and it seemed to be very addictive. So I want to try it out too. So let's do that for now. And Zach, where would you want to put Notability? Um, for now. Probably between rules and one password, uh, which brings it to tenth place. Uh, it's it's fairly low on the list, not because it's a bad app, just because uh, I'm sort of curious to see how things go with the whole Mac integration. I mean, it's something I like using, but it's not an outstanding app. But maybe my opinions will change now that I'm starting to use the Mac app. So I'm I think I'd like to. To start at relatively low, and then when we uh, follow up in a few weeks uh, and sort of I, I mention how it's going with the Mac app too, maybe we can reassess and move it up the list. Uh, are you both happy with that? Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah, happy with that. Awesome. So they've been added to the list now. That was easy. That was the easiest one we've had so far, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're all fairly straightforward picks. It's good. Cool. Well, it was good to chat with you again. See you next time. <laughs> yeah, that was slightly I can't creepy. Say see you next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, we're gonna have to record quite early next for for the next week's episode, just because you're going to the world, which is super exciting. But that means that we're yep. probably gonna uh, record this weekend in like two, three days already. So, talk to you in a few days. Yeah, talk to you. Yeah, pretty soon. All right. Have a good uh, have a good start to the weekend. Thank you. <laughs> That's a way of yeah. speaking. You too, Zach. You too. Oh, it's Friday afternoon here. 
<laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.